Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Welcome to Myrtle Beach. We have snow yesterday, right? Beautiful. Nothing on the road. It's gone today. It's 20 degrees, and it's going to be 70 Thursday. Welcome to Myrtle Beach. Amen. That's why we're here, right? Amen. Amen. It is so good, though, to just, you know, to be here today and, and uh, just to be in his house. And, you know, it's cold outside, but we've got the heat on. We've got comfortable chairs. We've got everything we need to just to just share his word. And so, so grateful for that. And want to welcome you guys who are online with us today. And, and uh, just pray that when you can, you'd be with us physically as well. And just in case any of you are joining us for the first time today, I, I, and, and also to kind of serve as a recap, just to remind us that, guys, we've been in the book of Nehemiah uh, for a while now, and we're going to continue that. We're in the eighth chapter today in our study of the book. And, you know, our, our prayer has been that as we continue in this process and this preparation, not to build a wall, but to build a walking track, right, around this 25 acres and all those pieces that go into it, that, that, guys, that we're able to learn from the Israelites. We're able to learn from these returning Israelites. And what we'll learn is how broken hearts and prayer and repentance and a desire to truly know God's Word are still the key components that will allow us to experience God's blessings. If you remember last week, Pastor Tyler, he spoke to us about how all the people gathered at the town square, and they were there to hear Ezra read out of the Law of Moses. Most believe the Law of Moses was the first five books of the Old Testament, known as the Pentateuch. And, and all the people, it said, it said in the Bible, it said all the people were standing and they were very attentive to the Word because of their desire to now live God's way. Well, today what we get to do is we get to see how God honored that. We see how He honored it as we finish chapter 8. And so if you have your Bible or device with you, if you'd please open those to Nehemiah. Again, the book of Nehemiah. We're in chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 18. Nehemiah 8, 9 through 18. Verse 9 says this. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. It's been said that um, there, there's nothing like a, a really good cry to truly clean out or, or soothe the soul. Uh, I, I'm not speaking here just about tears, right? I, I'm talking about that uncontrollable sobbing. I'm talking about, you know, the inability to quit. H have you ever had that? Have you ever experienced that? I, I remember... Um, when my dad's dementia got so bad and, and we, you know, ended up having to get some, some help. And um, this happened to me really when the first time that I walked into his room and, and, and I, I look in there and, and, you know, there's my father and, and, and guys, I got to tell you something. It, it broke my heart. I mean, it broke my heart. And, um, you know, what, what I remember was just for the first time ever seeing this 
look on my dad's face like he was scared, right? Like he was not sure of, of what was going on and what was happening. And I'd never seen that in him before. And, and, and he just kind of looked like he felt like he was trapped. And, and I remember just, just feeling helpless. And the only thing I, I did is I, I walked outside. I had to get out of there. And I walk outside in the parking lot, and, man, it was like an explosion. I mean, it just, it just started coming, you know, and, and it just started bawling. It just started bawling. And uh, I just remember um, in the middle of the crying, I remember turning to God, and I remember saying, God, I, I, I know that my dad's saved, and I, I just remember saying, if it's your will, take him home. Take him home. I just, I remember that, you know, and I, I understand that, that we cry over many things, right? I mean, I, I get that. I mean, in Nehemiah's day, there were professional criers. There were people who were paid to come to weddings and funerals to cry. Can you imagine what you do for a living? I, I cry. <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's, it's when our sadness, it's when our crying leads us to God, right? It's when it leads us to God and we realize that he's really the only answer. He's the only hope. You see, now our weeping can turn to joy. And, 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 and that's what's happening here in this first verse, in verse 9. You see, the Israelites were weeping because they were now coming face to face with the realization that they weren't living God's way. They had drifted far from him, and, and, their, and their desire now was to come back to him. Their hearts were, were now ready not only to hear God's word, but to obey it, to act on it. Because, you see, it's never enough for us to just be aware of our sin, is it? It's not enough to, to be remorseful. We have to hate what it's doing to us and to others around us. And then, guys, then we have to turn to the only one who can do anything about it. And, and that's what I want you to see today is that's what the Israelites did. That's what they did. While in the presence of God, hearing God's word, their sin broke their hearts. Their sin broke their hearts. You see, there was no excuses. There was no blaming other people. They were just honestly admitting that their sin had caused them to fall away from God. And they knew that he was their only hope. And, and what I want us to see this morning is that's always where true repentance starts, right? That's where true repentance starts. When we realize who we are, when we realize who we are in our sinfulness and our nastiness versus who God is in all his love and all his purity, that's when repentance starts. So their weeping leads them to God for forgiveness, which then leads them to his joy. And what happens is Nehemiah and Ezra, they're seeing all this, right? They're seeing it, and, and, and they're now telling the people that because of their hearts and because of their repentance, they're saying, hey, now this day is holy now. This day is holy to the Lord, so do not weep. They're saying, don't weep. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that we as sinners have truly slowed down and just started weeping over our sins? When's the last time to see it for what it really is and to own it? When's the last time we lost sleep because we didn't spend any time with God for an entire day and we just missed him? Maybe it's something that we did totally selfish at work to make ourselves feel better. Or when's the last time that maybe we took credit for something God did and it didn't bother us at all? 
You see, like the Israelites, sinning against God has to break our hearts. Sinning against God has to break our hearts because of how incredibly awesome he is to us. Because the more we love someone, the more it hurts when we disappoint them, right? Verse 10 says this, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the first thing I want us to see is this, and I think it's really important, is that no matter what we do, even when we're told to celebrate, right, we still have to do it God's way. And, and, and let me show you what I mean by that. He tells them, he says, hey, go eat and go drink and go enjoy. But also, he says, take care of those who are less fortunate. He says, take care of those who are unprepared so that everyone can be a part of the celebration. We're to bring everyone along, right? That's what we do. What we have to remember is that in all situations, in everything we do in our life, we have to do it God's way. Now, now, we do this as well, right? We celebrate things. We celebrate things like birthdays and anniversaries because we want to remember them, right? They're special. But what, what Nehemiah is trying to get the people to, to know in this day and what I'm hoping we get to see is this. He says there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that could be more special than people coming back to a relationship with God. It can be nothing more special than that. So because of that, this day is now holy. And guys, we need to celebrate. He's telling them we got to celebrate. Luke 15, 10, Jesus says it this way. He says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, I guess if the heavens celebrate forgiveness, so should we. So should we. And then Nehemiah ends with this verse, in, uh, in verse 10, he ends it with this statement. He says, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, just like the Israelites were returning to God. Today, do you know that our God still finds joy in forgiveness? Do you know it makes him joyful when we as sinners cleansed by the blood of his son? It makes him joyful? You see, God loves us in a way we can't even fathom. I mean, the past has been dealt with righteously, and it's covered with and covered by the precious blood of his son. And the word tells us that brings God joy. That brings God joy. Romans 8.1 reminds us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to think about something today. I want you to think about this. Sometimes I think we, we take things for granted. Maybe not you, but at least I know I do. I want to think about all that God was willing to do and all that he made happen so that these repentant wall builders were able to return to him. You see, it was God that moved the heart of King Artaxerxes to not only allow Nehemiah to turn home, but to return with food, supplies, and protection. And it was God who set up and gave Nehemiah a vision and a purpose, and he empowered him to lead and to motivate and to organize the people. And guys, it was God who equipped the people with strength, courage, and protection needed to build this two-mile wall in 52 days. And it was God who did all of this 
so that his people could return to him. Why? Because that's what brings him joy. Do we understand that? That's what brings him joy. You see, as they understood that, as, as the Israelites understood this and they remembered it, it gave them strength. It gave them strength. I, I want to flip that script just for a minute this morning and, and ask you, have you ever truly thought about all that God did, all that he made happen, and all that he put in place so that you could know Christ as Savior and Lord? I, I was thinking about that with Mary Beth and me and just kind of how, how, how incredibly amazing that process was. And I, I, I can't give you the whole picture or we'd be here for a long time, but I do want to give you the cliff notes. You know, here's what God set up. First, he had to move her from Virginia uh, to Myrtle Beach. He had to move me from Atlanta to Myrtle Beach, kind of in the same time period. And then next, out of all the places to work in Myrtle Beach in the summertime, we end up at the same place. Time goes on, and, and, and we get married, and, and God uses a lady that we were working with, a lady by the name of Miss Sybil, and she calls a friend, and the next thing I know, we're moving to Sumter, South Carolina, and we both have good jobs. His next miracle, he moves us into this neighborhood, and, and we move in next to the Caraway family. Well, the, they knew that I was a coach, and, and he came over and asked me would I play softball with the church team. But you see, in order to play softball, I had to go to church at least once a month. Now you know my passion for sports ministry. Well, after attending the church several times, God allowed our hearts to break together. He allowed our hearts to break together as we realized that we were sinners, and we realized that was separating us from him. And then God sealed the deal. They had a new pastor that was in the church we were attending to play softball. Just so happens this pastor loves softball. So we become good friends, and one night after a late game, I remember Mary Beth and I kneeling down at his kitchen floor and asking Christ to be our Savior and Lord. All that God did, all that God did, why? Why, you know? Because he loves us. He loves us. It's the same reason he did it for the Israelites, and the same reason he did it for you, and it will be the same reason for any of you who do not know him today. Because he loves us. Isn't that amazing? You see, knowing that, knowing that our life brings God joy, that gives our life strength and passion to move forward in him and through him. Because God didn't leave us in our sin, right? He didn't leave us in our sin. It was his joy to save us. And the Bible says that's what makes the joy of the Lord our strength. You see, it's when we recognize the depth of his love. Verse 11 and 12, it says, The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. What was happening, the Levites, they, they spread out over all the people, right? They, they kind of spread out. And as Ezra was reading from the law of Moses, what they would do is they would explain it to the people, right? They would, they would be in different sections and they would explain it. I'm sure they answered questions as well. They were kind of like a built-in commentary of our day, right? So, so, again, because their hearts were now ready, 
we see that their weeping turned to God for help and that their repentance turned to joy, right? Well, well, now what we see is that their joy leads them to this celebration. Why? The end of the verse says, because they understood the words that had been made known to them. I want us to see that process. They admitted their sin and they owned it, right? Well, then they turned to God for help, and the result was that they understood the word of God. Their eyes, their hearts, their souls not only heard the words, not only understood the words, but they began to incorporate it into their lives. And the Bible says that the celebration was on. You see, the remnant of Israel, they truly desired to know God better. And and God blessed that by making his word come to life. And, And guys, I pray, I beg God, that 2022 is the year when that kind of explosion happens here. That we may see and know and truly understand the power of God's word. Verse 13 through 15. It says this, it says, On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from the olive and wild olive trees and from the myrtle palms and the shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. Look at this. Who do the people gather around? Ezra, right? They gather around Ezra, and we say, wait a minute. Wasn't it Nehemiah that did all this? Wasn't it Nehemiah that risked his life? Wasn't it Nehemiah that gave up everything to come and to get this thing going? And now they turn to Ezra? Yes. Yes. Because even as godly leaders, we got to know our role, and we got to allow God to use others who are gifted differently as well. And we got to let them do what he's called them to do. Do you remember the story of John the Baptist? Do you remember what was happening? He was baptizing all the people, and John the Baptist was the man, and all the people were coming to him. Remember that? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and they all start going to Jesus. And the people following John the Baptist are like, what's going on? John, what's happening? Why? Why? And he says what? He says, he, speaking of Jesus, must become greater, and I must become less. You see, this leadership lesson, it was just too good to skim through. Because what we see is that Nehemiah and John the Baptist both knew one thing. It was never about them. You see that? It was never about them. And guys, I need you to know something today. We're not supposed to be the heroes. Okay? We're not supposed to be the heroes. We're the pointers. He's the hero always. Now, there will be times in our life where God calls us to step up, and we have to. But there are times in our life as well, God may call us to step aside so that someone else can come and do what God's called them to do. You see, I think that's godly leadership. I think that's wisdom. And and I hope we see that today. The next thing I want us to see is this. Look at who it was that came back to listen to Ezra. Who was it? It says, the heads of the family and the spiritual leaders. These were the people commanded by God to either be the spiritual leaders of their family and or of their church. 
You see, their job was to make sure that God's word was taught and understood by the people they led. So, so what do we see them do? What do they do? They come back for extra help. Teachers, they're the ones that were coming to you after school for more help before a test. They come back for extra help. Man, let me ask you this this morning. Are we coming back for extra help? Are we equipping ourselves to be the spiritual leaders of our family and our church? You see, God's in place this incredible honor, but also this incredible responsibility right on our shoulders. And men, it's our job to be in his word daily. It's not only our job to be in his word, but if we're going to do it well, it's our job to be on our knees. We have to be on our knees asking and praying for God, not only to equip us and to save our families, but to protect and prepare our families so that they will do the same. You see, that's when the next generation knows the love of God. Men, this is our duties. This is our duty. And ladies, I ask you, please encourage us to do it well. Then in verse 14, what, what we read is this. It says that the Israelites were to live in these temporary shelters during the festival and that they were to share the news with everyone. And, and, and you see, this reenactment of, of, of living and camping like, like their ancestors did, this was to remind them of how God had been faithful to their ancestors, how he took them out of Egypt, right, out, out of Egypt with slavery, and how he uh, was with them for 40 years as they wandered in the desert. And then how they finally uh, ended up in the promised land. And see, what happened was as they reenacted and as they remembered, this gave them confidence. It gave them confidence that he would do the same for them. You know, it's very similar to what Christmas and Easter should do for us today, right? Because at Christmas, it's where we're reminded that the birth, of the birth of our Savior, but also his willingness to die for all sin, past, present, and future, so that we could all be forgiven. And then it's at Easter that we're reminded that Jesus didn't just defeat sin, but that he defeated death as he was resurrected to life on the third day. You see, the Israelites, they, they, they used these reminders, and, and it gave them confidence. And God said, that, that's what we have to do, because that, that is the greatness of our God. You see, that's the greatness of our God. Not only does he give us everything we need to be his, but he also gives us constant reminders to grow and to strengthen our belief. Why? Because it is his joy to save his people. It's his joy to save his people. You see, that's our God. And, and what I want us again to see over and over today as believers is this. You and I are the joy of God. How incredible is that? It's got to give us strength. All right, so then in verse 16 through 18, I'm going to read. And what I want you to do is I want, I want you to listen to, to how they responded to everything that God called them to do. They responded to everything God called them to do. Listen to this. It says, So the people went out and they brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on the roofs, in their courtyards, in the court of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. You get that? The whole group, not, not one was not doing it. It was the whole church, the whole group. 
It says, from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was very great. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Everything God asked them to do, they did. They did it exactly the way God had commanded. And the result of that is that their joy was very great. Their joy was very great. Are we willing today? Are we willing to live God's way? Are we willing to do what God's called us to do in order to experience his joy? Just a a, a good question, right? I know this, and 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 I want you to make sure we all know this, is that yes, it is God, and it's only God who decides if and when great miracles, blessings, or revivals will occur. But you see, just like when the conditions are ripe for rain or snow, as the weathermen look and they see the conditions, there's a good chance that that weather's going to occur, right? Well, I believe it's the same in our relationship with God. Because here, what we see is the repentant hearts of the Israelites, they made ready by asking God and and begging him to let them do all that that he had called them to do. And, And that made the condition ripe for God to bless them. And he did. And he did. And so, church, as we continue, as we continue to prepare for this kingdom campaign, can we connect the dots can, can we please learn from the book of Nehemiah? May you and I, may we truly weep for our sinfulness. May we weep for it, knowing that it hurts God. May you and I, may we truly hunger for his word. And may we desire not only to hear it, but to incorporate it into our lives. May we truly hunger for his word. I mean, truthfully, may we hunger for his word and desire not to only hear it, but again to do it. Men, may we step up and prepare ourselves daily for the role that God's given us. May we understand and may we believe that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then most of all, guys, when God does this work in us and when God allows his word to become alive again in his church, when God does all that he can do in us and through us, may we celebrate. May we celebrate. That's what he's calling us to do. You see, we have an incredible opportunity. We do. We, we have this beautiful 25 acres. But guys, we, we're, we're working in this preparation time. We're working to grow and we're working to do this so that our hearts will be right. Not one or two, but all. So that God now will give us what we can handle. You see, he's not going to give it to us until we're ready. 
And I think about the day when we're able to have all of this on our campus. And it's not so people can look at us and go, check you out. It's because we then have the opportunity to share Christ with more people. We have the opportunity to help them in various ways and do what God's called us to do. That's going to be a glorious day. Selfishly, I hope it happens early because I'm getting old. But even if it doesn't, if we just prepare the way for the next generation, so be it. May God's will be done. But if we, if we can get ourselves ready, if we can get ourselves ready, get our hearts right, make the conditions right for God, then let's see what he does. Let me pray. Oh, Lord God, this very day, God, may our heart's desire be to become all you want us to be, God. May we weep, God, and may we turn to you. And God, may our sin turn to joy. And Lord God, as you bless this 25 acres, however you desire, then God, may we celebrate. May we celebrate, God, and may we remember all that you have done. But most importantly, God, may we always give all glory and all honor to you. We thank you for the privilege of being yours, God. And we thank you that we are your joy. And God, I pray that gives us strength. Lord, I love you and I thank you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.